Hey, uh, this is George Dunlap with georgedunlap.com, the ice cream guy, and I have got a great uh, interview now with a good good friend of mine. My guest is a gentleman that I've had the pleasure to watch develop into one of our ice cream industry's strongest leader. He is a champion of the mom-and-pop retail ice cream shop segment within a rural, very large retail ice cream industry. His experiences from his days starting and operating a chain of shops in Australia to his world travels representing one of America's oldest and most trusted name in the ice cream and dairy equipment industry. His life journey has developed my friend into one of our most learned industry spokesmen. He is without a doubt someone you would want to get to know. May I introduce the self-appointed headmaster at scoopschool.com, a world-class retail training school based out of the greater St. Louis, Missouri area. May I introduce my friend, Steve Christensen. Thanks, Steve. How you doing? Mate, George, what an introduction. It's great to be here with you. <laughs> well, thank you very much for taking the time out of your very, very busy schedule. So where do we find you uh, in your challenges, uh, your travels and opportunities nowadays, my friend? <clears throat> well, mate, um, being uh, early in the year 2017, uh, as you know, it's a pretty busy season, the whole yep. January and February uh, uh, ice cream trade. Whether you're, uh, you know, an industry vendor or a manufacturer or a trainer, um, there's a lot of events going on. So actually, I'm back home here in St. Louis at home base, but uh, still I'm bouncing around the globe for the next couple of uh, three or four weeks at least. Anyway. Yes, yes, I know. I I start. I think we both get started uh, together next week in Columbus, don't we? Yep. Yeah, we do. I've. Uh, I helped lecture at the uh, Penn State short course that was last year, uh, last week. Last week, yes. Um, and then the ice cream 101 at Penn State is coming up uh, on the 27th. That's just actually just before the uh, Mid America Restaurant Expo. So it's going to be a busy weekend. I'll be bouncing between Pennsylvania and Columbus. So I can't think of two two nicer states to deal with. I mean, talk about ice cream consumption and ice cream shops, right, Steve? <laughs> I know, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, how, how did the uh, Penn State program go, uh, what, last week you were there? Yeah, look, it's it's such a great course. Um, the one thing that uh, I go up there and teach the entrepreneurial side, the kind of store operation and, and hold some workshops during the course, they get about 160 to 180 in the week-long course, which they call the short course. Um and it really is designed for someone who is more in the manufacturing um, process business. So the Unilevers, the uh, you know the Ben and Jerry's, the Camps of the world. Right. Um, and yet they still get probably 30, 40, 50 entrepreneurs going. And look, I think the information is great for entrepreneurs. I think it's a great background of information. But if you think you're going to go to Penn State to learn how to get into the retail ice cream business. That's really not the course. Um, so we um, do a presentation up there, and I probably get you know twenty or thirty people who end up coming through our course uh, as a result of the introduction because our course is more of a hey, this is the how-to course to get into the retail or wholesale ice cream business. Whereas you know the Penn State course, which has been going for over a hundred years now, right? Still, I mean, there's still no match for it in the country, but it's much more. Much more of a high-level um, biological, chemical process information rather than the how-tos, if that makes sense. It does make sense, and you know it's interesting because uh, you know having had the pleasure to know you for quite some time, I know you started in this business uh, back in your home home, na- home country, back in Australia. How did you get into the ice cream business, my friend? 
Well, mate, it's it's a crazy story. I actually was a state police officer for uh, 13 years, um, and I didn't do it, officer. I didn't do it. Yeah, that's that's right. (laughs) If if I had a dollar for every time someone's in that George, I'd be I'd be a rich man. (laughs) Anyway, um, so we had some good friends of ours who were um, in the aviation spare parts business, and they would fly to the states, do business. Uh, They dropped into Milwaukee, tasted frozen custard for the first time. And just said, you know, this is unbelievable stuff. We need to open up a frozen custard chain. So I became uh, a partner with them. I left the police and I was the operating guy. So mate, those two stayed within their business. I left the police and opened up uh, the first uh, Mr. C's frozen custard store mm-hmm. in Brisbane, Australia. And mate, I tell you, I was so raw with my food service knowledge. I mean, First day, someone came into the store and said, hey, do you have anything that's non-dairy? And I said, well, there's a bottle of Coke in the fridge. (laughs) I I, I had no idea. So it's interesting. We kind of grew that business. We had uh, two brick-and-mortar locations and a food truck, which was pretty unusual back in the um, late 90s. And uh, the manufacturer of the equipment that we were using in our chain of stores, Ross Manufacturing, actually offered me a job to move over and help grow their business. So that's where the... The American connection came in, and we um, we were really at the plateau of our business with a couple of retail stores and the food truck. We, we were in the process of actually just renewing or looking to renew a couple of our leases. And, you know, my wife and I just felt so strongly that this would be a great opportunity for us and for the kids. So we figured, you know, two or three years um, we'll come over to the States and have a bit of an adventure and then kind of come back and pick up the retail ice cream business where we left off and – 13 years later, we're still uh, calling America home. We love it. Well, so you, you started, you were a police officer. I'm, I'm certain you had to find a much more delightful clientele in, in the custard business. Mate, um, it's funny. Uh, you know, people say, well, what's uh, you know, what, are there any comparison between the two? And I would say, well, the only comparison really was I'd have to snap on a rubber glove for both customers. <laughs> but, but, but the ice cream customers were much happier to see me snap on a glove than the policing customers. <laughs> oh, your, your wife probably uh, appreciated the, uh, uh, not having to come home late at night and not knowing what you're involved in as opposed to seeing you maybe with some chocolate mix on your shirt or strawberry well, mate, sauce on your pants. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, the, one of the reasons I left, I guess, was because policing was becoming a little bit more violent and that was back in the late nineties. My hat goes off to, you know, police officers, men and women everywhere for right. all the work that they do under particularly stressful circumstances these days. So I'll, I'll stick with retail ice cream. I'm uh, not going back to policing anytime soon. I can tell you that much. Well, it's quite a change. I mean, you go from a uh, police officer in, which is, is quite a, uh, uh, you know, a challenge and quite an opportunity to, to, to custard. And, and then in the custard shop, you got involved with Ross. Yep. Uh, wh- where have you gone since then? Well, Ross, we were only in the country really up in Escanaba. So we moved from Brisbane, Australia, that has a population of about 2 million up to Escanaba in Upper Michigan. I don't know whether you've ever been there, George, but it's, uh, <laughs> blank and you it, miss it. it. It's way up there. At the time, they had about 12, 14,000 and, um, not long after we moved up there, uh, Ross was actually purchased by Stolting. Yes. Um, and in that process, I really have always been involved, at least in the United States, in the education and training process. And, you know, wintertime being the busiest time for our classes and consulting, 
it just seemed crazy that people were flying up to Escanaba and flying up to the UP during the middle of winter. So we, uh, in 2005, relocated to St. Louis, Missouri, and we've been here ever since. Um, it's a little bit more central. There's a great ice cream infrastructure here. We've got some great vendors and yes. suppliers here in St. Louis. Um, and so we've actually been home based in St. Louis since 2005, but you know, gratefully, my work with Stolting and my own consulting has really taken me all over the world, uh, working with independents and regional, national, international ice cream chains and so forth. So I, I've been very blessed. Ice cream has been very good to me. You mentioned uh, American ice cream and worldwide opportunities. How would you compare uh, what we call the mom and pop or the American retail ice cream compared to those that you've experienced and, and met overseas? Mate, it's a good question. You know, the principle is the same. So whether you're in the UK or Europe or Australia or or Southeast Asia, the principle of independently owned ice cream stores are the same. I guess the big difference is that from a regulation standpoint, it really makes it tough in the United States for for a lot of uh, independents and mom and pop stores to be able to have the flexibility to make their own mix and do some things that are less regulated in, in other countries. The, the biggest thing I see, though, George, is that, you know, we tend to be, generally speaking, the only country in the world that sells ice cream in a three-gallon bucket. And everywhere else is using the gelato display type case where you've got a five-liter, five-quart pan. And the ability to be able to make product fresh and rotate it through um, is is a, a real blessing. But then again, you know, the infrastructure there is you've got many, many little ice cream businesses, whereas here um, you've got some of these stores that just do such tremendous volume, um, which, you know, is really unheard of in a lot of the other parts of the world. So, you know, there's a balance of making sure that you've got quality product, that you're rotating it well, um, you know, and, and having the... I guess some of the limitations in infrastructure here to be able to really do what you want. But I think that being said, the vendor industry and the supply industry in this country is so much more stronger and supportive of ice cream retailers than in other countries, to tell you the truth. I, I've really been impressed with not only the, the strength of knowledge, but the support and the variety of products, whether it be ice cream equipment, dipping cabinets, flavors, bases, um, the variety here is just is just incredible. In fact, we have quite a lot of people internationally who come to our classes, and they just it just blows their mind what's available to us here in this country. It's a real, you know. Unfortunately, sometimes I think we don't really uh, appreciate the the great opportunities and the great benefits we have of living in the United States, particularly in businesses concerned. Well, and certainly you uh, you know have the experience of coming. You know, you would be one of what I call our dairy industry's best imports into the nation i mean you bring in a, a flair uh, you bring in an experience you bring in a knowledge from outside uh the borders of this wonderful country you know the united states and 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 you've seen what we do here and you travel you know i follow you when you you're over in europe to some of the uh, uh international events um it's it's something that's always been challenging me because you know uh my background is is similar to yours uh, it goes back a little further, but you know, ice cream business had an ice cream shop, made ice cream. But you know, we but the you, know, you talk about three gallons versus the the gelato style. You know, what a difference in 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 making, presenting, marketing, and servicing the customer. And it's right. just a natural, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. Um, you know, there's pros and cons to both, but you know, I think one of the focuses that most independent stores really need to to you know narrow down on is the process of having fresh product that's rotating. Sometimes I think, you know, we think a bigger is best mentality, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you can really narrow it down to flavors that are rotating through the case regularly, um, some base traditional flavors, some hook flavors that might not be the best sellers but actually bring people into the store, and some signature flavors as well. If you can balance out a case, um, and I'm, well, I guess we're talking gelato premium ice cream. You know, the, the same mm-hmm. principle works with custard and and soft serve. But if you can, you know, keep those standards, those you know, uh, traditional favorites going with a little bit of flair and some other stuff, I think it's really it can be great benefit to have a very profitable ice cream store. Well, you've mentioned uh, you know the independents uh, worldwide, and you've experienced them. And you've mentioned that the United States offers uh, the industry some great support from uh, suppliers and vendors. How do you see the associations? You know, you and I are members of a number of these, uh, the, the NICRA group, the New England group. The mm-hmm. uh, How do you see that in regards to how it supports, promotes, and uh, works together in, in your training? Well, I think that, you know, again, we're very fortunate to have that infrastructure and really the camaraderie of the groups. Um, I, I think the biggest strength of some of these associations is, you know, the contact and the networking and the camaraderie of people in the ice cream business um, who really go above and beyond when it comes to sharing information and tips and, and advice. Um, you know, interestingly, you and I were at the NICRA convention um, end of last year in Reno. Um, and it's, look, at something as simple as the starting up of the NICRA Facebook group. Um, and just the information that's traveling amongst retailers there is just, it, it's really, and part of that is technology, but part of it is a group of people that are willing to share expertise. Um, and you know, that, that, it's hard to put a dollar amount on that to tell you the truth. I mean, you could spend hours and hours, days and weeks calling vendors and suppliers and trying to get that information that you can glean from one very focused group of retailers and uh, vendors. So, um, I, I think that's, I think the process of these associations is a tremendous asset to, to independents and, and to chain operators too. Well, I find like what you're doing. I mean, we talked briefly because you were so busy at, uh, in Reno and, and I was out there, you know, playing interview man with, with a bunch of people. But one of the things that I like with the NICRA group and the New England group and, and the variety of the groups is that, like you said, their willingness to give back. Right. You know, their, their willingness to seems to sit down like you would and you sit down with the prospective people, talk about the industry, answer lots of questions and, uh, and, 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 and help people get a taste of what, 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 what the exciting opportunities are. Right. Right. And that's, you know, I got off uh, the phone. Uh, I spent an hour with a couple in, um, uh, the Bay Area in California just this afternoon. And, uh, you know, there are some people who come into this industry with so much passion and drive, but they just need someone to hold their hand. They just mm. need someone to kind of keep them in the right direction. So, uh, you know, the associations provide a lot of that, which is great. But, you know, there are some people who come through the process and decide that, uh, you know, this this was great experience meeting these people, spending this money. I don't want to get into the ice cream business. Mm. Um, so I think, too, I, I don't think ice cream people sugarcoat the industry, uh, pardon the pun. I think that... 
you know, I think we're very realistic about the challenges and the the pitfalls of the industry as well as the you know the successes as well. So, um, you know, I I, th- I think we've got a group of people in these associations that provide very kind of real life, um, you know, real world experiences, which is great. So, tell me what you're doing now. What are you uh, working? What are you trying to do? Uh, give me a little bit about what what Steve is doing today. And- well, um, right now, so we, I have uh, scoopschool.com, which is really, um, I, I like to say it's a relatively unique independent training and education facility. So we have, um, a physical, uh, uh, premises in St. Louis here where we have an ice cream lab. Uh, we have a variety of different manufacturers, have equipment, batch freezers, soft serve machines. Custard machines, um, everything from, you know, display cabinets, fudge pumps, products, the whole thing. So every month or so, um, we have a three and a five day class, which I like to call a franchise course for independence. So we basically, we teach everything that a franchise would teach you so far as the theory side and the practical side. So for example, in the theory side of our courses, we go over, um, uh, the finance, business finance, business operations. We do, um, health issues, marketing and promotion, store management, that kind of thing. Um, and the hands-on things, we do everything from, you know, obviously putting the equipment together, hands-on running the equipment, flavor profiling, menu profiling, all the way down to, you know, rolling waffle cones and, and how to build a sundae. So we find that in our uh, live courses, people can come and really get a good look at what it's like to go in the industry. And, and interestingly, you know, the majority of the people that come through our classes um, are new to the industry or want to get into the industry. But every two or three classes, we have these kind of industry um, legends that come through just for a readjustment, a re-education. We had David Ford of Weber's Ice Cream come mm-hmm. through end of last year. And, you know, if, if fascinatingly enough, you would think that out of a group of, say, 10, 15 people – and you've got 14 that are new to the industry and one that's been there for 20-odd years like Dave has, he's the one that's actually writing more than the others because, you know, when you've got someone in that's operated a store for so long, sometimes you get a little bit complacent and and the basic operations are the things that you kind of need to kick in the pants with. Um, so so you know, we do the live classes and they're very successful. Um, the nice thing is that you can operate multiple manufacturers equipment in a non-sales environment so i think we've got the education and training going but you know you can really have a look at a multiple or a large array of equipment without kind of having a salesman stand over you and saying what do you think what do you think (laughs) Um, for years we've also had people ask about online curriculum Uh, and so this last year we've actually started loading video modules onto the online platform of Scoop School. So if someone goes to scoopschool.com and they click on the online tab, they'll be taken to our online platform where, um, and we are loading new content nearly every week, but essentially it's a, it's a 10, multiple modules. Each module is 10 videos, which basically deals with, you know, everything from we're just about to upload the batch freezer um, module, but we've got video presentations, downloads, audio. It's really for someone who can't get to a classroom environment, but still wants to kind of get that information. It's available to them online. So between the live classes and the online stuff, we we keep ourselves pretty busy. 
Well, you know, there's a couple of things you mentioned there. Number one, uh, you know, you mentioned our good friend David Ford with Weber's out of Cleveland. Uh, and, you know, I've known Dave for probably uh, 35 years, called on him with business and, uh, great operator. And I think, you know, he kind of, it kind of shows everybody, you know, the newbies out there, they don't know what they don't know. So they right. come, they come to your class. And then the Davids of the world, uh, the Carl Cheney's and the other people that, you know, they still have this interest in learning. And I think at that point, it's a whole, you know, they come to you, uh, they come to, you know, all these different classes and, you know, your class, you know, there's this, there's this maturing in the industry, this, this maturation process that I think that you really represent because, you know, we know how many freebie classes are out there and, right. and they do a nice job in getting people's interest. But your program, what I like about it, and one of the things that I heard about at the Nike Reno show, and I think maybe you want to talk a little bit about it, it sounds like you're putting together in conjunction with Nike that is really going to be a great member benefit, aren't you? Yeah, look, we've we've gone through the process. I know the board's spoken about it. Um, I don't have the launch date, but right. you know the the idea is that um, Nike really wants to give their members benefits, and I think you know, as I mentioned before, you know, this camaraderie and the support process, the networking is certainly a huge benefit. Um, but you know, Nike is looking at having all of that online content available to their members um, for free with their membership. Um, which, you know, we're extremely excited to be able to be associated with NICRA in this program. Um, I think just from a, um, an association standpoint, but being able to get this information out to operators that can kind of get access to that as a result of, you know, just being a member of NICRA is pretty good. So I think they're still kind of putting the finishing touches on it and they'll probably make the announcement uh, when it, when it'll launch. But, um, we're, we've, we've had a lot of fun. We're kind of in the processes of, crossing the T's and dotting the I's, if you will, on that program. Understood. And I think, uh, you know, having been involved with the group, I think what you you know, I remember when uh, I heard, started hearing about your program, I kind of kind of did one of these second looks and I'm going, you know, why do we need to do these types of things? But then I sat down and started really thinking about it. I mean, uh, you know, we get to a point in our careers that, you know, that learning never stops. It really, you know, once you understand that, this, if I can come to your class or if I can go to, you know, take a you know, finance class and learn something or take a mix class, right. uh, it keeps it keeps the juices flowing. Plus, in today's world, we're getting. I think you even touch on some of the social marketing aspects too, don't you? Yeah. So we do. There's. We just. Uh, I think a week ago uh, launched the marketing promotion module. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> again, it's one of those things that um, I, I think. Too many operators, and you know, we've spoken about this before, that too many operators get bogged down on working in their business rather than on their business. Yes. And, yes. and, and we love working in our businesses and it gives us great satisfaction, but sometimes you've got to be able to take that step back and dedicate some time for yourself to be able to get re-educated or, or at least get up to date with current trends, food costs, labor costs, new products coming in. Um, you know, how Yelp affects the marketplace, what sort of marketing is available on the social media side of things. So, you know, the beauty of having online courses, particularly, you know, focused on frozen desserts is that, you know, an operator can basically sit in their bed or in the bath with their iPad and, and, you know, watch this course on, on frozen dessert marketing and, you know, it gives them the opportunity, as I said, to, to just spend a bit of time working on their business rather than in the trenches all the time. Yeah, sometimes they can raise their head instead of getting, you know, and see what's coming at them instead of being right. blindsided. Right. But, uh, no, I think it's, uh, it's great. And I think, uh, you know, and the more 
that I look at it. I mean, I take, you know, I'm involved in uh, in tech uh, classes like uh, Linda, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know something that we pay for, and it's a continuing education process. So right. why is what the industry is considering, uh, you know, this this basic. You know, we've gotten, I think, kind of distracted with the term mom and pop, which kind of is an old, dated phrase. Right. Uh, but it's, but it still is a, is a truth. I mean, that's what this industry has been, is that we start with, you know, the uh, the Mr. C's of the world, and, and next day you have, in America and anywhere else, you can have a thousand stores if you so choose to pay that price. Right, very true. You know, and uh, and today, you know, we're, uh, I wanted to talk talk briefly about some of the issues that you've seen uh, not just here in America, but you know, around the world, that affect uh, successes with our with our retail segment. What are some of the things that we need to be aware of? Well, I think that you know, education is part of it. Um, you know, making sure that you're kind of up to date with industry trends. You know, I think that really the biggest challenge is staying current with you know this this rise of technology and and just the. The amazing opportunity and what a small world it is, um, you know, for operators. So, you know, I, I think on the question almost kind of is, well, negatively, you know, what should we be aware of? I think positively, what should we be aware of? You know, there are just so many sites that you can go to to have logos redone, social media done for us, um, different platforms organized for, for very, very inexpensively. Um, I use two websites, particularly Upwork.com is one, um, UPWORK.com, um, and Fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. You know, they're two websites that you can basically go on and say, hey, I need someone to help me with a social media campaign. And instantly you have people from all over the world saying, I'll do it for $5, I'll do it for $10, I'll do it for $15. Whereas, you know, back in the day, it would cost us five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars just to have a logo done for us. So I, I think that one of the big things that operators need to be aware of is just the great opportunity to be able to outsource and to get other people to support them uh, in the process of running their businesses. The only other thing that I would say to be aware of, which I think is becoming very, um, uh, very prevalent so far as media is concerned, is this review-based marketing, the Yelps of the world, the Facebook reviews, the um, the Google reviews. We've got an opportunity here to be able to really reach out and have our loyal customers be our ambassadors, but I think we really need to be able to be engaged in the process of making sure that we're up to date with what's being posted as a review on Google, on Yahoo, on, on Yelp. It can be a little bit overwhelming. But this is just another opportunity for us to engage in our customers. And, you know, this 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 generation coming up, I know they don't like to be called millennials, but I'm going to call them millennials anyway. <laughs> they have this sense of community, and, and they communicate one with another, and they really value each other's, you know, uh, recommendations and, and reviews. And so we as retailers can really tap into that and do it very effectively. Look, if you're an old-timer and it's a little bit too much, get one of your employees to be the social review-based you know, person in the, in the business. But I, I think that too many of us don't see the value um, and the pitfalls, to tell you the truth, of mm. websites like Yelp and other review-based marketing uh, sites as well. How do you, uh, if, you know, I had a fellow the other day, he and his wife, we were talking, and he said, you know, they, he takes the Yelp's reviews too personal, and he was very, he was telling me about a situation where somebody had, had, uh, 
publicly said, you know, they came into his shop and they bought a cone and, and, uh, you know, the next thing you know, somebody, you know, it, it was not a positive experience. And he was, you know, he, he got on, online and, and, and almost lambasted, you know, the person. And right. I said, I said, you know, you gotta let some of this stuff, you know, roll off your shoulders and not get too enthusiastic and too concerned about it. Um, how do you how do you deal with it when 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 these things the the negatives, as it were? Well, it's it's interesting. It, it's a great question because I think too many of us get so emotionally involved in our business that sometimes we're not actually looking at the problem. We're just looking at the principle that someone's complained about the problem. Um, I really um, I refer to a lot of people's Yelp pages for examples. You know, I think one of the best examples of Yelp. Um, Participation, both the positive and the negative, is Leopold's out of Savannah, Georgia, um, long-term members of NICRA. I really like looking at the way that they deal with the Yelp reviews, both the positive and the negative. Because when a positive review comes in, and look, not all positive reviews, I think they've got thousands and thousands of reviews. But every now and again, um, Stratton or Mary, you'll, you'll see them go on. I, I think it's their social media person as well. But we'll just say, hey, thank you for the five-star review. We've really been trying, you know, this new line of particular flavors, and we really appreciate your comments. Uh, and I think, again, engaging with that community base is really important. Now, they also engage with those who who are negative. And I've been down to Leopold's multiple times and have kind of been in situations where I've seen someone come in and have an experience and then go back and give a negative Yelp review. And the one thing I really... Uh, recommend people to do is, you know, you don't want to leave it go too long because people look at the amount of time between the complaint and the response. But the, the, the Leopolds have so much class, you know, they say they always start off with the same thing. Very much appreciate you taking the time to post. Sorry that your experience wasn't the best that it could be. And every negative post response starts off with that. Now, some can be very generic, but some are, look, you know, in our defense, this, 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 and this. Uh, we're happy for you to come in and we can chit-chat. Um, I think that, you know, engaging with the with the reviewer, particularly the negative reviewer, um, can be a, a, a positive thing. And look, I think for the most part, and, you know, for, the, for many people who go on Yelp and, and look at reviews, pardon my French, but we, we kind of know the douchebags, right? <laughs> you know, you kind you kind of know the people that are just, they're complaining because they, their weight was too long or it was too hot in the store or, you know, my cone dripped. I mean, come on. So, you know, I, I think we need to kind of look beyond the complaint and say, what is this person actually complaining about? I think it's important, <coughs> excuse me, I think it's important to engage, um, but not in a knee-jerk way where we're basically just, you know, puffing our chest up and responding in kind. Um, understand what the complaint's about. Be cordial and polite um, because I think that goes a long way in people reading the reviews because I think, again, for the most part, you and I are probably the same as most people are. We'll read a few five stars and four stars, but I want to read what the one and two star reviews say. And we'll, I'll scroll two pages before I find a one or two star review and I'll read that. So it's important as operators for us to be able to engage in that and kind of just show that we are actively engaged in, you know, not only defending our store, but giving explanations when perhaps the customer experience wasn't the best it could be. Well, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good assessment because, you know, you and I both being, uh, being long-term salesmen and, uh, I mean, our lives have been, you know, uh, uh, you know, we've been very successful at what we've been doing, marketing, selling, servicing customers' needs, satisfying 
customers' uh, challenges. You know, my dad always told me a long time ago, you know, he said, you know, it's, you know, you're in business to take care of problems, your customers' problems. So, you know, I've always looked at a, at a critical analysis of my, maybe my work or my ice cream shop's work, and we had one, as an opportunity to, A, maybe we did something wrong. Let's listen to the customer. Right. And B, engage with that individual because maybe they had a bad day and they're just upset about something that didn't even come in between them and the store. So I think, you know, as you probably as we continue through our business career, we realize that, you know, these are just tremendous opportunities to turn somebody who's not really happy into a future long-term customer. Right. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think it's a great opportunity to engage. And, and, and engaging is what we're trying to, you know, and that's the whole thing about the ice cream. I mean, what other business uh, d- does a family have an opportunity to to, to make a livelihood? Uh, you know, like Leopold's. I mean, they've been, you know, Mary and, and I was just talking to Brad the other day. I mean, they have this tremendous, you know, philosophy. I mean, I don't know if it's part of the southern hospitality, which it probably is. But, it, I mean, Savannah is a beautiful area, so that mm. lends itself to that environment. But, but they seem to understand what it takes number one they enjoy what they do but number two they also they know what it takes to keep the customer coming back right and i mean lines out the door you know, yeah 90% of the times you're open is is a good uh, that's a good motivation <laughs> too i think we'd all love to have the volume of customers that leopolds have so yeah they're a class act i they they do a great job well i don't want to take i know we're getting down to the time here but there's a couple things that i like to to to, to finish up on here if i may you know because you've had this uh, opportunity to see many things as well as to talk to a lot of people, what are some of the uh, suggestions you would make to a couple, you know, that are getting into the business? I'm, and I know you, you've talked to a lot of people over the years that, you know, are, are coming into it, but what do you see today as some of the, the, the tremendous opportunities as well as some of the things they need to be aware of? How would you counsel somebody today coming to you and say, hey, Steve, I want to get in the ice cream store. What should I do? Well, I, I try and divide it up into three areas. So, and I call it the three ends, your end product, your engagement, and your environment. So your end product needs to be good, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we need to have quality product. It needs to be rotated. It needs to be held at the right temperature. It needs to be served correctly. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes new operators and people getting into the business put so much emphasis on the product that they leave engagement and environment out. And I think, you know, you and I both know people who have opened up businesses and subsequently closed them and they had tremendous product. But it's not all about the product all of the time. So end product is important. It's important to have a good product. I think engagement, um, meaning the customer um, engagement with your employees and with you can be a a huge uh, source of success. So you know, using the analogy of the food, I, I think sometimes, you know, we can go to a restaurant and eat the best meal we've ever tasted in our lives. And yet if we were treated like trash from the waitress or the waiter, we'd probably never go back regardless of how good the food was. And yet, you know, we'll eat this kind of mediocre food at this hole in the wall place because, you know, the, the customer service and the crew are just so engaging. Um, so I think, you know, your end product is important. Your engagement is extremely important. But I think also the environment in which you're selling your product can just as well be a a huge element for success as the first two. Because when someone walks into the store or up to a store, 
before they even put a spoon in their mouth, before they even, you know, greet the customer service rep, they're already making a determination of your business based on the way they kind of feel when they walk into the store. Uh, and so I think that environment is just as important as your end product and your engagement. So it's kind of like a three-legged stool. You know, I say to people coming into the business, if you can concentrate on product and have a really good quality end product, you can have a great entertaining and, uh, you know, uplifting environment and then treat your crew to be able to engage really well with your customers. I think those three elements will uh, help people be very successful, not only in the ice cream business, but in any business. In life in general, right? Yeah, I mean, true. I mean, you can be the nicest, you can buy the nicest clothes, or the nicest car, but if the package just isn't there, it, you're not going to be happy down the road. Right. Very true. Well, I want to, you know, it's, it's uh, like I said, this is, uh, you know, the spring 2017. I'm excited. I got, you know, I just got back from a show in, uh, in, uh, in Philadelphia last couple of weeks and, uh, you know, it was cold, but people were excited, uh, heading down to Columbus, you and I, uh, yep. you just finished in Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, I, I, this has always been, you know, for the last 40 years of my career, I've always been excited about this time of year because it is, it is kind of that new beginning. Um, it, it, you know, it's the calendar is, uh, you know, we all start at zero now and, and the retail shops are all right. excited about new products. Um, are you seeing anything, uh, any flavors that, 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 that make you excited about, uh, about 2017 that you want us to tell everybody about? Mate, uh, you know, nothing jumps to mind per se. I think you're going to see a lot more micro batches, a lot more micro creamery start. Okay. This kind of small batch ice cream. I'm actually, um, middle of February headed over to speak at the, um, the retail, ice cream retailers association of the UK. It's called the Ice Cream Alliance. Um, and if anyone's interested, ice-cream.org is their website. It's kind of like the NICRA of the UK. Um, and every year I try to either go to CGIP in Italy or one of these European events because I think typically, you know, a lot of the European flavors and a lot of European concepts tend to come westward and, uh, you know, we picked them up. Liège waffles uh, are becoming very popular here. They were very, very big in Europe two or three years ago. Um, so I tell you what, I shall uh, keep my ear to the ground when I'm in Good. the UK. We're Good. going over to Paris. We're going also up to Amsterdam and kind of do a little bit more research on poffages. Um, so mate, I'll keep you informed if anything uh, <laughs> groundbreaking uh, comes of any of these visits in uh, February, I'll let you and your listeners know. Well, we'll have to get back with you. Maybe we can cut, touch base with you with the, by the, the, the value, the virtue of Skype one way or the other. Uh, before we hang up here, uh, before we let you go, how do my uh, listeners, how do our mutual friends out there get a hold of Steve Christensen on your websites? What can you give me a, give us a, what you got out there for everybody? Well, mate, I love people getting a hold of me, so to speak. So yes. I, I have two main websites. One, um, the education training website is scoopschool.com, just as it's spelled, scoopschool.com. Um, and you'll see there, you know, a wide variety of there's video based stuff. There's the online training, uh, some consulting stuff there. Um, I also have another website called insideicecream.com, which is more, you know, passing on information. There's recipe banks, there's videos. Um, my podcast is on there, so I'm going to take this opportunity to basically duplicate what we're doing here and put it on my podcast. Thanks for saving me uh, a <laughs> bit of time, Georgie. Um, so InsideIceCream.com and uh, ScoopSchool.com are the two ones. And, uh, look, you can contact me via social media on, on either of those sites. My contact details are on there. Do you, do you use uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter and those types of uh, contacts? 
Maybe we do, yes. So um, if if you search Ice Cream Bloke or Steve Christensen on Facebook, uh, on on Twitter, uh, as well as uh, Instagram, we um, you know we're full time education and training now. So I'm I'm grateful to have the opportunity now to be able to respond and to kind of participate in these online forums and so forth as a regular part of my workday. So I'm relatively active on social media and email. So if anyone you know has any questions, comments, concerns, I'm more than happy to to reach out and uh, and spend some time because I think, you know, as you said, it's a great industry. There are great people. I think that the more people that can share information and help each of us be successful, the better the industry is. Well, I'm, I'm going to take you up on it, and I think uh, it's a good thing. I think in, in, in forums, kind of like what we're doing here uh, with this uh, podcast, uh, I think we're going to expand this out to maybe where we can get uh, another one of our comrades in arms to, to meet with us. Maybe we can do something like this on monthly, quarterly, or um, you know, kind of a, a question and answer, or what's what's happening in ice cream type thing. You and myself, yeah. and a couple other guys. So, Steve, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I've had to, I've had the honor to watch you in the last number of years to work with you. Um, I, I've learned so much uh, from uh, you know, how you do, handle your customers. I I enjoy, you know, the uh, speaks the speaking engagements you do. I'm looking forward to, you know, to constantly hearing about your travels. And so, thank you so much for your time. No problem, George. I really appreciate it.